The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Good morning, Rob. How are you this Sunday morning? I'm very well, Howard. Yeah, yourself? I'm very well indeed. We're over the Grand Prix and um, where are we? I think the Grand Prix goes over to Spain next, isn't it, this weekend, I think? Yeah, yeah, it's Spain later today. Yeah, this afternoon. And then, off to Can- and then I think off to Canada, I think, after that. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Formula One, but we are going to talk about what we were talking about last week, because we always link these things if we can. Last week, we discussed if France can actually be a tax haven. And during our conversation, you made several references to strategic financial planning. I would therefore like to learn a little more about this seemingly dark art. But before we discuss that, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, before we uh, before we move off uh, last week's Grand Prix, Howard, the, this week started with something of an autopsy on how Max Verstappen survived the mid-race downpour to win last Sunday's Monaco Grand Prix from Fernando Alonso. Um, added jeopardy was thrown into the usual mix for anyone that didn't watch when rain started falling on lap 51. As the rain slowly intensified, Aston Martin pitting Alonso for a dry set of tyres, betting they would give Alonso the edge rather than the treaded intermediate boots which Russell, Hamilton, Ocon and Pierre Gasly fitted on the same lap. Had Alonso been given treaded tyres while Verstappen was still on slicks, that might have led to a Spaniard taking the lead and winning the Monaco Grand Prix. But unfortunately, Alonso had to stop again for intermediate tyres the following lap when Verstappen did the same, and any chance of victory was gone. Verstappen's win is fourth in six races this year, moves him 39 points clear of his teammate in the overall championship. Away from Formula 1, Wednesday marked what would have been Prince Rainier III's 100th birthday. Affectionately known as the Builder Prince, during his reign he extended Monaco's territory by almost a quarter, gaining 31 hectares from the sea, including 22 hectares that make up Fonvier. In 1964, he moved the railway line underground, and building the Grimaldi Forum was another of his great achievements. Prince Rainier was also a visionary. He abolished the death penalty 19 years before France. He strengthened the Monegasque constitution in 1962, then further revised it in 2002. He ratified Monaco's accession to the UN in 1992 and to the Council of Europe in 2004. I'm sure that if he was still around today, Prince Rainier would have welcomed Monaco's involvement in the second summit of heads of state and governments of the European political community, which was held in Chisnau on Thursday. Pierre Danu represented the Principality, along with the Ambassador and Head of the Mission of Monaco to the European Union and Monaco's High Commissioner for European Affairs. Now this week, one listener asked me why I frequently refer to inflation during these broadcasts. She said, we all know we have it, we just don't need to be constantly reminded. We then had a very deep conversation about how she could reduce its impact. Having had that subsequent conversation, I know she will have welcomed the news that grossly inflation has eased for the second month in a row. It's estimated increased food and drink prices have added some €900 Euros a year to our shopping baskets over the, just the past 12 months. Goldman Sachs this week warned UK interest rates could climb above 5% and UK inflation will not return to the Bank of England's 2% target until at least 2026. While here in France, the inflation rate actually rose last month to 5.7% as the fuel subsidies continue to be eased. I'm sure most of the listeners know that if you're not a French resident, you're limited to just 90 days in any 180. 
However, over the past few weeks, several UK newspapers have carried articles claiming that rules can be avoided or even ignored. It's true if you're not working and you've no contact with the local authorities, France is probably unlikely to notice you've overstayed your welcome and the prospect of a gendarme knocking on your door is probably unlikely. However, your problems will surface when you travel. Border guards will spot you arrived more than 90 days previous with no visa. Penalties for overstayers include fines, deportation and, importantly, an overstay stamp in your passport, which will make future travel anywhere in the Schengen zone very difficult. So our very simple advice is don't believe these erroneous articles and stick to the rules. I wonder when the automatic system's coming in. They've postponed it and postponed it and postponed it, haven't they? Absolutely. Apparently it's now next year. Yeah. Well, that will make it more difficult. Absolutely. So, strategic financial planning. You use the term quite frequently, but what does it mean? Well, when I joined the financial services industry back in the early 80s, a long time ago now, we simply sold products. If you died, you needed life insurance, maybe to pay off your mortgage or provide your family with a lump sum, which would then provide them with income to replace the income that had died with you. You needed to set aside monies in a pension so you could eventually retire. Maybe you needed income protection, so if you are ill and you couldn't work, the family had an income. There was a vast array of different products, but they were all designed for specific situations. Now, of course, all those products were loosely linked together by default because they were all component parts to your finances, what we now describe as wealth management. As time passes, everything evolves, and the science behind financial planning and wealth management is now known as strategic financial planning, and it combines the relationship our assets have with the events that will impact us. Strategic financial planning is the glue that pulls financial planning and then ongoing wealth management together. This sounds quite systematic. Is there a process that you follow? Yeah, we we have to follow a process, but, but that said, the process is certainly a not a box-ticking exercise. We, we go on a financial journey with every client. Of course, we need to understand how their finances are made up, but more important, we need to understand what they want from their finances and what they want to achieve. The term financial objectives is something that is frequently bandied about in, in quite haughty terms, as though there is something wrong if our objectives are not clearly defined or crystal clear. In my experience, most of us vaguely know what we want, but our objectives are frequently not entirely thought through. That means strategic financial planning processes can be challenging because we have to look in the mirror and potentially face up to what we don't want to see. I'm frequently reminded that this is why some people don't actually go on the journey. Once we understand what someone has and what their priorities are, we then need to develop a strategy. I say strategy rather than plan because our strategies are regularly played out over several years. That happens quite a lot when people are planning to move to France maybe from the UK, and they have various things they need to do before they leave. They may need to take um, or, or make changes to their, their pensions, maybe take their pension commencement lump sum. If they have UK ICES, it, it's usually appropriate for them to sell them before they leave the UK. But it, it's not all about selling assets. A strategy frequently needs you to get your timing right. The UK tax year doesn't correlate with the French tax year, which can be an advantage if your strategy uses that advantage. If you simply arrive and get this issue wrong, it can be really quite costly. There are also differences between different tax systems, their respective allowances and tax thresholds. 
In the UK, the tax system operates on an individual basis, whereas the French system is based on the household. Everyone in the UK has an individual personal allowance, while in France, the first band of income is taxed at 0%. UK residents still enjoy annual capital gains tax allowances, whereas the French did away with them probably 15 years ago now. When we take on work with someone who is already a resident, there are usually timing issues. Can you sell an asset before a key date, such as your 70th birthday? One situation I had to deal with recently was staggering the sale of assets over various tax years to avoid those clients paying the tax exceptionnel charge and how to combine that with the use of an SARL de famille to improve the family's succession situation. Is the common theme here to help people protect their wealth? Yeah, protection is certainly a key consideration for most people and especially for those retired expatriate listeners. Many of them have worked all their lives to give themselves the ability to spend some, if not all, their twilight years enjoying the benefits of the south of France. Now, protecting our wealth goes much further than just making sure we keep what we have, though. We need to make sure our money works as hard for us as we work when we're accumulating it, which it certainly won't do if you simply leave it sitting in a bank account. Even after the recent interest rate increases, cash is still paying us a pitiful level of interest. The real annoyance here is our trusted banks, well there's an oxymoron if ever I've heard one, have our money on their balance sheets to use and invest as they see fit for their corporate profits, not ours. And they still apply bank charges when there's a transaction on our account. During inflationary periods such as the one we're currently experiencing, we owe it to ourselves to ensure, as Bill Blevins used to frequently say on these broadcasts, pay unto Caesar what is required, not a penny more. There is just no logic to paying more tax than we need to. I have no issue with paying what the taxman is owed, but I believe it's our duty to also use every allowance, tax break and strategy to maximise our wealth preservation. What are the key threats to our savings today? I don't think the key threats to, to our wealth have necessarily changed, Howard. They, they may look different, but below the surface, they're, they're probably the same. We travel down our own very individual life roads, but when we look back, we've all encountered similar challenges on that journey. On a daily basis, we continually face an array of financial challenges, which can be overwhelming. Governments have to generate income through taxation. They need a slice of our life profits to pay for all the services they provide for us while we live in their country. Governments, specifically their tax authorities, are very, very creative. Their job is to continually come up with new ways to generate more revenue. Our responsibility is to ensure we don't pay a penny more than we should, just because the tax authorities have changed the rules of the game. More than ever before, we must also be conscious of personal tax. I'm not really sure if personal tax is a, is a good description, but what I'm referring to are people who want to separate us from our money. Thieves, robbers, chances and opportunists. As we saw during the pandemic, with the massive increase in online crime, this band of crooks constantly evolves. I hesitate to say this, but far too frequently, we can be our own worst enemies. Whether that's putting off doing something, continuing to do something because that's how we've always done it, or maybe even worse still, as one listener recently said to me, I've done it this way because that's what I've, that's what I've read about on the internet. Every week we come across people who are, who are a financial danger to themselves. I sometimes wonder how we metaphorically manage to cross the financial road without getting knocked down. 
it never ceases to amaze me how some of us have had really important challenging jobs surgeons nurses engineers but when we get home we are really really rubbish with our finances and i never nearly said the naughty c word then howard well taking that into account how does blevins franks help clients protect their wealth from those threats uh, the best analogy I, I can use to describe strategic financial planning is probably a jigsaw. Lots of people rediscovered their love of jigsaws during the lockdown. So financially speaking, the jigsaw of financial, strategic financial planning is fitting together what you have with, with where it is and what you want it to do for you. As everyone knows, the best way to start a jigsaw is to collect all the straight edges. From there, you build the jigsaw skeleton. Creating and building a strategic financial plan to protect us from financial threats it's quite similar. If you start a jigsaw from the middle and you work towards the edges, it's much more difficult to do because it's harder to understand the structure. It's equally difficult to plan your finances or avoid financial threats by considering each area of your finances or assets in isolation. It's plainly obviously to say it, but if you don't hold your investments in a tax-efficient structure, it's got to fail your bottom line. But if you're in the wrong structure and that's used, in the wrong way, it will negatively impact lots of other areas of your overall strategic financial planning. By taking on a holistic, logical approach to your strategic financial planning, you can create a strategy which protects you and your wealth and avoids financial threats. How important is it to take personalised advice and make sure our financial planning is based on our own specific situation and objectives? Um, at Blevins Facts, we're, we're passionate about creating bespoke strategic financial planning strategies for all our clients. You might think you're just the same as your neighbour, but I can assure you, in my experience, nobody is the same, especially from a financial perspective. I recently met a couple, and quite soon after I met them, I met another couple who are friends of the first couple. If I needed, to, to, needed any reminding that no two couples are ever the same, those two meetings were a timely reminder. They both contacted me because they listened to these broadcasts. They own French properties quite close to each other. They frequently socialise together and I discovered that they regularly discuss the content of these broadcasts. What they have also in common is something we frequently saw during the pandemic. Both of these couples spent lockdown living in their French holiday homes and as a result they decided to stay before the transition period closed so both of these couples became French residents rather than wait and arrive later when it became much more onerous. As our meeting progressed, it quickly became clear these two apparently very similar couples were very, very different from a financial perspective, which I suppose defines what good strategic financial planning is all about. Through our discussions, we built up an in-depth understanding of what each couple wanted to achieve, but importantly, we also discovered what they didn't want. In this particular instance, it was very, very clear that financially, one of these couples needed to rethink their strategy because arriving as they had under the withdrawal agreement would ultimately cost them an awful lot of money. By looking at them individually, we were able to build a bespoke strategic financial planning strategy that was individual to both their respective situations. Finally, what advice do you have to help people choose the right financial advisor? <laughs> um, I completely understand why that can be a challenge. How do, you, how do you select one company over another when the, when the edges are blurred to a certain extent? 
Every firm that deals with finances, whether it's a bank, a broker, a fund manager, or even a notary, accountant, or tax lawyer, probably sound like they offer the same or similar services. I'm sorry to say the challenge isn't getting any easier. UK financial services providers, who before Brexit offered their services to French residents, and French resident British clients in particular, through passporting arrangements, are now legally, illegally barred or legally barred from doing that. I was recently reminded of this issue when a client with, with UK premium bonds received a letter which told her she can no longer have her premium bonds because she doesn't have a UK bank account. NatWest had closed her account, or certainly given her notice that they're about to close her account, and the reason was she's a French resident and the UK is no longer a member of the EU. Blevins Franks has spent close on 50 years advising British nationals who want to settle in Europe. In June 2016, as we all know, the UK voted to leave. Over the past eight years, we've devoted a great deal of time, resource and money to restructuring Blevins Franks to ensure that in this post-Brexit Europe, we're still around to continue advising our clients and provide advice to those who still want to move, despite the fact that the UK is no longer part of Europe. In truth, as a business, we didn't really have a choice. All our frontline people live locally, where our clients live. They don't fly in and out, which means they have a deep personal understanding of the same local issues our clients face day in, day out. I joined Blevins Franks back in the 90s because I believed they were the best European-based advisory firm for British nationals living in Europe. With Brexit now well in the rearview mirror, I'm even more certain Blevins Franks are the firm to choose when you want to be advised by a professional, fully authorised cross-border strategic financial planning firm. That said, Blevins Franks is not a bank. We were born out of a UK accountancy firm, but we're not French accountants, and we're certainly not notaires. That said, people contact us because if you have a question about your money or finances, we're a safe pair of hands. We do what we do, but we know what we don't do. If you have a conversation with Blevins Franks, but you then need a notary, a tax lawyer, or an accountant, we'll point you in the right direction. In fact, we'll be happy to make a specific introduction. So if you have a question or a query about something or anything financial, give us a call and speak to one of our partners. If we can help, or if we can't, if we can't help, we'll know somebody who can. To understand how strategic financial planning can improve your life, give us a call and speak to one of our local Blevins Franks partners. The initial discussion is complimentary, so it won't cost you a penny to speak to us. The telephone number of our Valbon office is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if you live in Monaco or visiting our Monaco office is more convenient for you, our telephone number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you'd like to learn more about Blevins Franks or get in contact with us, you can do that via the website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Well, always a pleasure. We'll talk next Sunday. Thanks very much, Howard. Enjoy the rest this afternoon, and I'll look forward to speaking to you next Sunday. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Focusing on the big picture. At Blevins Franks, our financial advisors take a holistic approach. We get to know our clients, your family situation and objectives 
and our integrated advice covers tax and estate planning, savings and investments, and pensions. We aim to consolidate many of your assets, keeping things simple for you and your family and heirs. Get in touch with your local Blevins Franks advisors today. Visit blevinsfranks.com. That's blevinsfranks.com.